so so you are watching the Mandalorian right now or you're not watching the Mandalorian I can't remember what you said I am I mean not currently but I, I have been watching it yeah it's so it's pretty good so y'all got the old Disney plus yeah of course I uh, love Disney plus so much baby Yoda it's good so so my <laughs> junior like high the, pastor you, you like the whole man like you like the baby Yoda thing yeah it's a little slow like oh, I, I think that this so I, I my junior high pastor to tell their brother. I know, but if there's only what six, eight of them, how many are they doing? Eight, six. I don't know. So my junior high pastor is a huge Star Wars guy. So I watch The Mandalorian, and then I have to go and like YouTube all the people who are breaking it down and talking about all the Easter oh, eggs. Oh, like the behind the scenes stuff that you don't that really way do necessarily. When I show up, I can I can talk to Reggie, my yeah. junior high pastor, about Star Wars because he's like huge fan. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he has a, a Darth Maul back tattoo. Like takes his whole back. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty. Pretty intense. Like an actual tattoo on his back. Like massive. Covers his whole back. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's he's so his tough. son is named Anakin. Are y'all? Yeah. Uh, are you going to check out the new movie? Are you yeah. So um, we actually we rented out a theater oh, in did you January. Know? So we rented Wait, for like whole... your like your group or what? Just for our family, yeah. No, no, yeah. For the for, <laughs> that'd be awesome, right? Uh, no, we rented out for the student mystery. Yeah, so we we, oh, we uh, yeah. So we kind of promote it. We're doing it over break, so between Christmas and when we come back for small groups, try to gain some momentum that week before that, that weekend before. So, yeah. it, you know, we we pay the deposit or whatever up front, and then the kids buy the tickets. And that's not a terrible idea. We, we we've got good. a guy in our church who who owns who owns a theater. Uh, so we've we've done something like that, but um, I guess if depending on your church size, though, that might be you know if you don't have enough kids to justify that, but you could still buy a whole bunch of tickets, right? And yeah, for sure, a big movie outing. Well, and and here's the thing too, like it, we picked we're doing Star Wars like right after it releases, so it's a super popular movie during a super popular time. Yeah. Um but if you picked a less popular and movie, a fairly safe movie to go see, too. I mean, for the most part, I, mean, I oh, think most yeah, parents would be yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, and if they're not, they just won't send them. Yeah, cool. But it's, it's a, yeah, it was pretty, and, and you know, the theaters generally, you know, there's some group packaging that most theaters offer, so you get a ticket and a drink. Most of them are into making money. They do enjoy making money. So they would it's probably, be, yeah, so you're good. It's cool. Yeah, it's fun. We we uh, announced it this past weekend. We So we themed the game, everything was Star Wars themed, because it's December. And according to my Reggie, you know, junior high guy, that December is Star Wars month. Star Wars time. I didn't know that. Okay. That's so, cool. yeah, I don't know. I thought that was May the 4th. And he said, well, that too. So, okay. What about you guys? How, how are things there? Big things well, coming? Yeah, we're good, man. Welcome to the Longer Hall, by the way. Welcome it to is Longer the Longer Hall. Hall. Episode Longer 101. Hall. Episode one hundred and one. Last episode was amazing with Clay, man. So good. Oh, did That's you good. see where uh, Clay? Did you see uh, where Clay was on Annie F Downs? Mm-mm. Like that came out like the last couple of days, or like she just recorded it anyway. I don't know if it's come out yet. But I was like, yeah, he was on mm-hmm. our podcast before Annie F. So you know, <laughs> twice he's been a couple times. Of course, he's huge. You know, she she's huge uh, as far as podcasting world goes but yeah welcome to longer hall podcast the youth ministry podcast we we appreciate this is sort of our new format where we're just kind of hanging out not 
being quite as formal, but we do appreciate you. Listen, that's Jody on the other side. Where you live there, Jody? Uh, out in California. 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 And uh, Chris there, he's over in uh, Atlanta. Marietta, Georgia. Well, we learned in the last episode, if you listen to the last episode, he's in a, in a suburb, suburb of Dallas. Oh, no, that's this one. That's this episode. <laughs> Suburb of Dallas. Oh, it's this episode. this episode. Oh, we just stole the thunder. Yeah, don't even ignore, ignore what I just said. Yeah, this you'll is, hear it. Uh, so oh, here's what happens terrible. today. This is funny. Great, great, great episode, by the way. Um, but Chris, you get you get a little nervous today. You get a little nervous in this in this interview. I, it's something. I don't know what it is. I don't <laughs> so, know if it's what I'm joining, and uh, I think I just lost my mind. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention like I should. Who knows? Super fun. Today, we're going to have a great conversation with Nick Blevins, uh, who has his own podcast on family ministry. And so uh, what we did is the three of us kind of, I say sat down together, but that's not true. We we weren't actually together. But uh, And I don't even know if we were all sitting. But we, were, we, we had this conversation uh, about family ministry, what that looks like. And then uh, if you listen to Nick's podcast, then uh, you've, you've heard this. And so we're going to take it and kind of just play it on ours as well. We thought that conversation was just uh, really, really helpful. It turned out great. It turned out great. Nick's yeah, a- super. We just all sort of sit there and talked how we did ministry. And I think there's some helpful stuff there. And I came away with it thinking through some things for sure myself. So it's good. Yeah, there, man, there's a couple things he uh, he brought up that they do that I for sure have written down. And, uh, and we're going to kind of implement here in the coming year but it was good um it's great. Yeah, before it's good. we get to that we want to thank sponsors we love folks that sponsors that help us the, uh, uh, make the show happen yeah so. yeah we definitely appreciate the folks over at georgia uh like the georgia baptist folks as they love student ministry so they've they've helped us out as far as equipping us to be able to do this and then uh also our man alec ammons who does uh, our graphic stuff right now. If you are looking to do any type of graphic type work, uh, find us on the Facebook group. I'll get you in contact with Alec. He is kind of working. He's working part-time for us in our student ministry and could definitely use the work, but very affordable and uh, very good at what he good does. So, and of course we yeah. love the folks at YM 360. Uh, great folks. Oh, man. I got to hang out yeah. with them a little at youth specialties at the national youth workers. Conference. Did you really? Yeah. I sat and That's talked to great. Roger about Tennessee football for a long time. Yeah, that lasted about no time whatsoever right there. Yeah, that's okay. It was a sad conversation, wasn't it? Was it sad? Was it depressing? Not as depressing as Alabama fans um, after <sighs> losing. Let's not go there. To, uh, yeah, but we, yeah, we love what, the folks at YM360. We love what they what they do, what they believe in. So, uh, if, and, and really, they've got you covered in any way, whether you're looking for curriculum, whether you're looking for camps, leader resources. There's a pretty good book over there on longevity called Consider This by some weird guy named Chris Trent. <laughs> it's it's on the Monday. It's on the Cyber Monday sale right yeah. now. Like that. That's they they're calling the Cyber Monday ish sale. Is what they're calling it. And it's six ninety nine. There you go. That's how much it is. They couldn't just I'm go with an go even go. seven. I feel like that's a biblical number. Six ninety nine. Yeah. So uh, lots of lots of good stuff. I think they still have. Do they still have the Christmas devotional available? It was at least. Oh yeah, it's still out there. I mean, if depending on when you're listening to this podcast, obviously if you're behind and you're not listening to this until February, yeah. um, you know, which is all good, fine, great. Um yeah, but if you're listening to this in early December, I still think I think they still have some. Yeah. So it's it good. Out. So be sure to head over to ym360.com and check out uh all the things that they have going on there. Be sure and while you're there, use the promo code longer haul. Um, that'll save you no doubt. some money there. Twenty percent, I think, on most. And also, just a little thank you to our to our to our buddy uh, 
uh, Bobby Smith, aka Bobcat. So if you want some good, like jamming sort of background music, man, check out Bobcat on Spotify. That's our intro music, and he's super awesome to let us use that stuff. So there you go. That's all the that's all the business stuff. Business there. stuff. Business. The only other thing I'll say is business. We, but hey, that's what makes us free. That's, that's what, what makes, makes us free. free right here. That's true. Yes. Yeah, we would love for you if you haven't. I would love to invite you to jump into the podcast group. It's fun. Good folks there. And uh, yeah, so if you haven't done that, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. But anyway, great. Good? Should we right. jump well, in? Well, hey, I'm, I think we should jump in, man. It's a really great episode. It's kind of long. So let's uh, let's let's cool. move on. Let's do this. All thing. right, here we go. Here's yep. uh, not even an interview. Today's conversation. A great conversation with Nick Blevins. That's probably a better way. Right, here we go. Well, I'm excited to talk with Jody and Chris of the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast. And we're just going to talk family ministry and youth ministry and how the two work together. And so my context is... I serve as the next-gen pastor at Community Christian Church in Nottingham, Maryland. And we kind of look at children's ministry and youth ministry as one team. And I get the privilege of leading that and have awesome staff. And so we want those two things to work together. But Chris and Jody, I'd love to hear what your role is at your churches and what that looks like. So who wants to go first? Nick, where the heck is uh, Nottingham, Maryland, b- before we jump it in? Is, it, it is north of Baltimore, and literally Baltimore. like that specific uh, city, Nottingham, is really, really small and mostly only known you know, for Peter Pan. This is Chris talking, by the way. So Jody Jody lives out in California. I'm in Atlanta, and we've had like a polar vortex like hit in the last day. Like yesterday morning, we woke up, and it was like 80 degrees, and no joke, this morning it was like 30 degrees, and Maryland, is it is it? like dog cold up there yet or what's it feeling like for you guys we had the exact same thing so and which made halloween which is you know this it was insane last night halloween was was, like so cold like it was like it started out like whatever but then last a rain thing came through and then boom like ice see we were we must have been i don't know maybe a little behind that because halloween was great weather 72 degrees windy started to get cold but none of that the rain all that happened after kind of Everything was over, and then woke up to this morning feeling like it was winter. Yeah, that's nuts. Of course, we may be uh, airing this episode later on, but uh, you know. But anyway, that's still that's what we do. So cool, Nick. Uh, well, hey, I'm Chris. Jody, you want to jump in, or you may jump in. Now, go ahead. You go first. Say, I'm Chris. Uh, I'm Chris Trent. I am a uh, middle school pastor. Uh, also, serve as our student pastor at Johnson Ferry Baptist in Marietta, Georgia, which is a suburb of Dallas. Uh, been here for over 15 Dallas. years. Now, about 15. In a suburb did I say Dallas just then? What did I say? You said you live in a suburb of Dallas. Gee whiz. I'm nervous about being that's on somebody a, else's a far, podcast. That's a far out suburb. I'm a hundred percent nervous about being on somebody else's podcast. You have to excuse Chris. He's, he's old. With Jody, and I don't get nervous. Minute, With Nick, I'm nervous. Yeah. Sometimes relative. he, in his, his, his latter years here, his, his mind Take two, Marietta, a suburb outside of Atlanta. Hello, good grief. Um, Atlanta, Georgia. And so <laughs> there is a Dallas, Georgia, not too far from here. So that's what I was talking that's about. True. It's a that's suburb true. outside of Dallas, it. Georgia. Yeah. You guys give me a there break. So, so like you're right that could yeah. have been what you meant the whole that's time what saying. That's what a I'm suburb like. of dallas georgia something no one has ever <laughs> said. said no one has <laughs> ever said i live in a <laughs> suburb of dallas georgia <laughs> like for real dallas, georgia basically is a suburb <laughs> one little barely. one little sub or barely so anyway yeah so i've been doing i've been here for a little over 15 years and in youth really in youth ministry since the late 80s early early 90s and uh, just a just a product of youth ministry. Love youth ministry, and and uh, this will be fun. So, Jody, what's up? 
Yep, and I'm Jody. I am in California, down in Southern California, um, but not the part that everyone thinks of. I'm in the high desert um, of California. I am a student pastor here at a multi-site uh, church, so the dynamics have changed for me quite a bit. Um, I've been here actually not that long, a little over a year, or almost a year, a little, yeah, almost a year. Uh, been student ministry 20 years, was uh, in the Atlanta area with Chris there for nine uh, before moving out here um, and taking on this role. And so I kind of lead our department of um, junior high and high school and uh, collaborate across all of our campuses and work pretty closely with our kids team. And uh, yeah. So not is your in role a suburb of, of Dallas. Central, not in a suburb of Dallas. Well, in the same way he is, you kind of are. Yeah, that's true. Is, uh, <laughs> We're is, both you, is your role central kind of role or you have a campus role? And No, I have a campus role. So we have, uh, we have four campuses and uh, the campus that I serve on is our, kind of our broadcasting campus. So it's, it's the largest of the four, if that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, just as in our context, like, you know, everybody does multi-site different. So some are very, very, very franchised. And we are we are not super franchised, um, and so we but we do collaborate a ton. Um, so collaboration and deference are two words that get thrown around a lot here. And so we we work together on a lot of things and how it looks, but then it's kind of contextualized a bit on each campus, um, if that makes cool. sense. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts on family ministry, youth ministry, how they work together. Like you mentioned, you work close with the kids team and all that. But what, like if somebody, if, if you use the term family ministry or if you talked about it at your church, what, what would that mean? I'd love to start there. Chris, since you're in the suburb of Dallas, would you like to go first? <laughs> what does it look like? Oh suburb of Dallas family yeah, that's ministry? funny. So for us, family ministry, I, when I hear family ministry, Nick, I hear, I, I, I hear two things. One, I hear from the context of youth ministry. I hear the question of how am I, doing family ministry like how am i doing ministry to you know to families in other words am i only thinking about the teenager and what i'm going to do on wednesday nights what i'm going to do on sunday mornings or am am i also and, and i think in youth ministry culture a lot of times we would also say parent ministry tied to that as well um yeah so that would be more like a parent ministry mindset um but but I think there's also that that approach when you when you pull out you know from that a little bit and think think bigger picture, we we think along the lines of how are we connected to children's ministry, how are we launching kids into college ministry, and what does that look like? Now here's what's interesting for us, Nick, and 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 I think when you you know gosh we've been trying to pull this off maybe for a few months now. Um, I think I said right off the bat what's interesting for us is this is an area we need to do better in, uh, at Johnson Ferry. Um, we, 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 we're somewhat, we're somewhat siloed in a lot of ways where, you know, our children's ministry really does their thing. We really do our thing. College ministry does their thing. And so for us, we're really trying to work towards, and we've been tearing down some walls, trying to improve on communication. Um, one big thing example is we're starting a family calendar where we're trying to pay more attention to, what each ministry is doing so that we're not planning a big outreach thing on the same night that another kid's thing is, you know, happening that would draw from 
from the same group potentially. Mm-hmm. So it's us starting to communicate with one another and plan, you know, plan better uh, with that. But personally for me, the way I really try to integrate that is I really, if I'm really just being transparent and honest about this thing, for me, it's, I definitely want to keep a strong eye on fifth grade because fifth grade is the year before I get them into student ministry. And we want to, we want to make sure we're working really well with families in that ministry so that that transition from children's ministry into middle school ministry is smooth and that they have the information, you know, that they need there. And then in college, we're also making some changes as well, where when we're leaving high school, we, we take this one big trip uh, over spring break together. It's a mission trip to Peru where our college pastor goes on that trip as well, again, for the purpose of trying to bridge that, but that's the way we impact families. And then just for us, families are just involved across the board in our student ministry, like 80, 90% of all of my leaders and volunteers are parents of, of kids, you know, in our ministry. So. Yeah. And you leave, remind me, you leave just middle school or middle school, high school together or what's the. Yeah. Middle school, high school separate for us. Uh, We, so uh, I, I live in middle school ministry personally, as far as my main, my main source, I oversee our entire student ministry staff. Uh, but, but I, f- I focus on middle school, but middle school and high school meet separately on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And when it comes to trips and everything, there's only really one thing we do together. And that's our, what we call D now. It's like a disciple now weekend where mm-hmm. we do all that together. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. How about you, Jody? What does family ministry mean? And what does it look like at your church? Yeah, I think, uh, I'm probably, as far as how I view that, similar to Chris in that, and I, I think it's changed over the years for me. You know, initially, I um, I started in youth ministry super young, and so like I was eighteen and a student pastor, and so at that point, there was no, you know, family ministry wasn't even really talked about at that point. Even in that, like just in the in general in the church, no one was talking about family ministry. Parents, I think, were largely seen as like this annoying problem. Um, I needed parents. And so I think parents have always been a huge part of uh, what I've done in student ministry. I needed them initially because I couldn't rent and drive a car. And so I needed them to drive us uh, around places. And so um, that's as, as I've, the longer I've been in student ministry and as I have kind of grown. And I think as the, as the church has recognized the need for family ministry, um, I think that that has changed uh, pretty pretty drastically and, and dramatically over the years, and and so in my context right now would be more of like um, similar to to Chris in the sense that we we try to be really intentional in how we are working with our kids team um, and how we're transitioning and integrating those upcoming uh, students into our student ministry into our junior high ministry. For us, we have uh, so we're we're kind of split as well. We have junior high and then high school. And so here that looks like seventh and eighth um, for us. And then high school, obviously ninth through 12th. And so um, our kids team has kind of a separate program for our, for our five, six um, kids. And then we, we do a big event um, and, and kind of uh, to encourage us guys to engage and plug in pretty quickly where we will um, couple that with kind of a parent meeting. And, um, and then we kind of slowly introduce those guys and allow them, invite them into a few things leading up to that. Um, so they can kind of get a feel for what that looks like. And then on the back side, out of high school, then we're working with our um, uh, meaningful relationships pastor 
who does all of our small groups and and stuff to kind of help uh, those uh, young adult groups for us uh, pull in those uh, those graduating seniors and launching them well into the, the church as a whole. And then we recruit pretty heavily from parents as well. Uh, we try to communicate well, uh, and that's an area we're still uh, growing in here a year in. Um, but just trying to be mindful of commitments and families. And uh, really, we just see and we say a lot like we want to come alongside parents and families and uh, and help equip parents to uh, to be that uh, a better and more intentional uh, primary disciple maker in their home. Um, and then, you know, like I said, or even as I mentioned earlier, we kind of collaborate across the spectrum for that. Um, different, like our kids team com- comes into our Wednesday night programming if, a, a couple times. We also really heavily encourage our students to serve uh, alongside their parents in different roles and kids team. And so uh, trying to look at, at how do we partner with the parent and not, and not just do a ministry for their student, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you guys both probably spoke to what I think of when I think of family ministry. Cause uh, if I ever talk to somebody about that, or if they're just asking the question, I want to know what they mean. And for us, it probably means two things. The two things you guys talked about partnering with parents, you know, and, and ministries about working with the family. And then the other part is, and you guys kind of alluded to this and how you work together is um, children's and student ministry being together so that again, maybe not, it's the same ministry may not even be led by the same person by one person, uh, which that is our context. We switched to that model, I guess about seven or eight years ago now um, where it is viewed as one team. And that does help, you know, certainly, but it sounds like you, you both are in context where one person doesn't lead both they are kind of different ministries, but you're working hard to do things together. Is that fair? Yeah, it is for us for sure. And, uh, you know, Chris was talking about their family calendar. They do. We we are really intentional as a as a campus uh, and as a and as a church. But to to calendar uh, all together across all departments, so not even just kids and, and and students, but just to make sure that we're not stepping on each other and competing for each other. And um, yeah, kind of working towards Nick. I'm goal. curious for you guys how how deeply integrated is that approach from the standpoint of do y'all also even from a curriculum standpoint like are are y'all going all out on that as far as um like on a sunday morning or whenever y'all doing bible study are kids and teenagers typically focused on the same lesson or the same you know scripture for that day yeah good question we don't do that we use orange curriculum for kids and we've used that for students too. Some of it we write our own. Like right now, our church is in a kind of a church-wide series called Devoted, and our adult small groups are doing that. It's kind of we call it an alignment, where the groups are doing the same thing as what we're talking about on Sunday mornings, and our students are doing that too. So the kids are still using Orange curriculum, curriculum, and all that. So I would say um, it isn't. I know of churches. I think of our church as Community Christian Church, and we actually got our name from Community Christian Church in Illinois, Dave Ferguson and, and that crew out there. And they, they were kind of known for creating that big idea where like you basically can almost teach the same big idea in the service with students and with kids and all the way through tweaking it. Uh, we haven't really done that. So all of our alignment or whatever would be kind of beyond the curriculum part. You know, that would be different. Really leaning on the idea that kids and students with the limited time we have, what can we teach them that matters most? 
Yeah. It's probably not the same things. You know, I mean, there's probably a big crossover with adults. There's probably a big crossover with students, but there's still enough that's different that we're, we're okay, you know, taking a different approach. I like with that. Each that's good. I think that's important because I don't think, I don't think it's always going to be necessary that the same, um, obviously kids need things that are different than teenagers and teenagers need different than uh, adults, you know, and there are certain topics that you're going to need to cover. <laughs> um, well, for instance, like you're going to yeah. want to yeah. address like social media in some capacity, biblically speaking and self identity and, you know, all the identity in Christ and how that ties into potentially social media that, that, that might be, this just an example that comes to mind, but that probably isn't important for a first grader at this point. Like identity in Christ is yeah. important for a first yeah, grader, like but identity. not yeah. in the context of what they're doing on their, you know, TikTok or whatever. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah hopefully, yeah, hopefully not. You never know. Might be on parents' TikTok. You might be jumping on there and using there. Yeah, That's absolutely possible. Yeah. yeah. I think the key also is um and what I would say to listeners is I don't know that it's necessarily I, I wouldn't I wouldn't line up in, in, in the area of saying, man, everybody needs to be on the exact same page. Like I, that's not I don't have a problem with that being the case, but I'll but what I would say is important though is that there is a clear plan though for children's ministry. There's a clear plan for student ministry, there's a clear plan for adults. And that a lot, the fancy word for that is scope and sequence, you know, where, where everybody knows where they're going yeah. and they're not just playing it by ear each year and, and that you've got like a long-term plan so that you do know how it all sort of is fitting together. That's what I want to do better. Like it, it you know, in, in our world is knowing, well, this year we're talking about these topics in student ministry and in children's ministry we're talking about these topics and, you know, so that, because these are the conversations potentially and hopefully they're having around the dinner table or the Chick-fil-A table. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, stop definitely. it. Chick-fil-A, you, yeah, no, no. Nick, you have a Chick-fil-A up there uh, in area, man? something I, you just made me think of. Oh, we have bunches. It's great. You have bunches? I have, we have, we have one like on every corner here. It's amazing. How about you? How about you, Jody? Do you have? Yeah, it's probably buddy. not that. Yeah, you have churches. You have more churches and more Chick Fil A's, but at least we have both here. You know, not in the same quantity. Yeah, yeah. Jody, Jody, do you have Chick Fil A near near you? Any anywhere, Jody? Yeah, it's like uh, about a half an hour away. <laughs> I, I can. Uh... Oh, that's not close. Yeah, that's not. That doesn't really count as close. You no, it doesn't. So you here's what's interesting. Um, I'm thinking, you know, you're talking scope and sequence, and I think, and I've been in context in the past where we have kind of a really laid out curriculum map, but we're we're, we're walking through things, and I, um, and I love that. I appreciate that. Um, it's helpful. I agree. Helpful to know where you're going. I think the key for me is being intentional on what you're teaching. So it's not just like, oh, well, let's teach this or let's teach that. Um, for us, our kids team probably has a a better defined um, kind of that scope and sequence than, um, than the student team, the student team, our student teams approach this more from teaching targets. So we have like eight teaching targets that we want to make sure that we hit um, across the year and, and across the time that they're in our student ministry. And so everything that we're teaching is coming back to kind of what you're saying, like, Oh, identity in Christ, right? Like, healthy friendships uh, or relationships and um, 
And, and so I think the for me, we we recognize those teaching targets and and we're mindful of how those intersect with what the foundation uh, with the foundation that's being laid in our in our kids ministry so that they're working together and not against each other's if that makes sense um yeah but i think yeah. somebody yeah listening man you be intentional that would be my takeaway do you uh cuz you mentioned those teaching targets i think about um a lot of people who have done youth ministry for a long time might be familiar with like the seven checkpoints book with yeah. Andy Stanley and Stuart Hall and they had their irreducible minimums. And we did the same thing. Like we took some of those, uh, maybe used most of them. I think we might have eight or nine that are like that. Is that kind of what you did as well? And does that really drive your, your teaching plan? Yeah. I mean, it's similar. It's not the same, um, for sure, but it's a similar thought. I think similar idea to what they were doing. It, it basically is just like, Hey, what do we want students to be aware of and know when they leave our ministry? Like, what are those things that we need to really hang our hat on? Um, and, and so those, those teaching targets and come out of that. And then we, we go, uh, then a little step further with, um, well, okay, why do these things matter? Right. And so when we would like, we'll sit down, for example, um, this coming Monday, I'll sit, I'll sit down with all the other student pastors in a room with the whole, we spend the whole day kind of mapping out what is the next uh, few months, if not year look like for us um, as we hit head into 2020 for our, for teaching. And then we'll come back and then we actually outline all of our teaching together. So we're writing all of that stuff ourselves. Um, as a as a team with those teaching targets um and and kind of desire like really what's the clear application to take away from all these things um as as we go and then our small group we we do small groups as well and their discussion their sermon based or message based um for us and so those questions and flesh out after we've outlined the text mhm chris what does it look like for you all uh, yes, yeah, so I've been at, I've been at Johnson Ferry for fifteen and a half years, and when I got here, they had just started the process of writing and developing their own curriculum. So we're we're a master teacher type format. Kids sit at the same group with the same group of kids, same leader every Sunday morning. Uh, those are what we call life groups, uh, like a whole bunch of other places as well, and. In a life group, uh, the master teacher will get up and teach some, and then we'll throw it to the tables, and they'll talk some, and then we'll teach some, talk some, teach some, talk some. So what we did 15 years ago was the high school pastor at the time had already taken and did scope and sequence, you know, did looked at four years, what type of Bible study messages. And, and so to break that down, that would mean, okay, so do we do a topical? Do we do a book study? Do we do a character study? Uh, th- those type of things. And so, and then he had said, okay, well, uh, in the four years I have a high school student, what do I want to make sure we cover with them? So he'd already developed that for the high school. So I looked at that and did the same thing uh, for middle school and developed that for middle school as well. So now, Sixth through twelfth grade, we've got a three-year and a four-year plan. Three-year meaning sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. We just rotate through that series. We call it year one, year two, year three, and we rotate uh, through that over and over and over again. Of course, we tweak them, change them, change the names. We also um, add to 
stuff as well. So um, it's, uh, I think my doorbell is about to go off, by the way. Somebody just, I think, walked on our front porch. If it does, it's going to be loud, and I apologize. It's going to be like one of those commercials where they get the, you know, somebody coming to the insane. So yeah. <laughs> this is like, Nick, You, if you don't know, this is pretty much every episode with Chris. Yeah. Every episode. You need a sponsorship. You need ring doorbell ring sponsorship. Sponsor. For real. Yeah. I, and so we have some unofficial. We have ring doorbell. We have Chewy's is an unofficial uh, sponsor. That's unofficial. <laughs> unofficial. Uh, we don't have Chewy's up here. Uh, me either. Here. Yeah. Chris, that's, you talk about the Marco Polos. That's what Chris is. Uh, well, I said, <laughs> the last one I said, Jody, was that I actually, we were there. And I zoomed in, zoomed out, zoomed in, zoomed out to the cream of jalapeno uh, sauce. And then I actually made a GIF. And so, yeah. yeah. And then he sent me both. <laughs> sent me both. Now you can reuse it. It's just the GIF. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Like All day. Jokes for days. Uh, so anyway, so we change it up. But that's sort of the, is back on topic of that whole curriculum, the way we do that thing. I'm trying to keep us focused. Uh, well, I was interested because one of the things we have done recently, just a couple of years ago, is, and then part of this was a structure change of our student ministry, but our middle school meets Sunday nights. They both meet Sunday nights every week, and they're in our services on Sunday mornings. And then, but the difference is for the longest time, they both had a weekly large group and a small group on site. You know, it was kind of the same format. But then a couple of years ago, high school shifted to weekly, it's small groups on site for the whole time. I mean, they do a little bit together. There's free time. There's some of those kinds of things, but it's basically just small group. And then once a month, they do a large group. But what that let us do, and I guess we could have done this regardless of the format, uh, but um, we now have like kind of a different, we have a plan with our high school. Middle school is very similar because it's, again, it's the same exact thing every week. High school, though, because they're doing small groups, three out of the four weeks only, um, they'll do different things by grade. So ninth grade, we took kind of the things you're talking about. Here's what we want them to know, but sort of divided them up by year even. And Mm -hmm. again, I don't know if it's good or not. I mean, we'll find out we're in like year two. Um, So I was interested to hear how you do the scope and what you focus on. And and I feel like this is still very much an experiment for us, but I do like – the way it kind of works is like we'll kick off the fall all doing the same thing in high school, but then the next – you know, season of it or whatever you want to call, uh, they'll be doing their own things that's picked for their, you know, age group by grade and then come back in winter and we do the same thing again. And then we end and they get to, as groups, they kind of get to pick the leaders help get to pick and we have a, uh, a bunch of options they get to choose from, but we couldn't do that. Obviously we were doing a weekly large group because everybody had to be right. taught the same thing. And, and what right. you're you know explaining, what, I mean? what you're talking about would be a dream come true. Like I, I, I think it would be incredible and so good to be able to speak contextually to each individual grade level. Think about an eighth grader and being able to teach and prepare them if you, you know, before they go to high school. So teaching things that would help them as they're, and then think along the lines of a junior starting to apply for colleges and making decisions about life. Seniors about to go off on the sure. man. That would be yeah. incredible. We don't have the space. To, we don't have the space so that's, for that. So that's what we had when I was in, in, in Georgia. We, for, for our high school, we had, uh, we were a Sunday school based kind of model. And so our teaching wasn't master teach what well, was when I got there. And then we shifted away from that. And so each, each grade then uh, had kind of their own, uh, we had the curriculum up. So ninth grade was learning the same thing every year, right? 10th grade was learning. It took us a few years to get there. So the first year, everybody did the ninth grade kind of curriculum that we had mapped out. The next year, the incoming ninth graders did ninth grade and then sophomore and above did the 10th grade. 
And then the following year, right, ninth grade student, ninth grade, tenth. And so yeah. we can't, it took us about four years to get to that. Um, and it was, I loved it. Um, the, the downside to it, if there was a downside, and it, it also turned out to be a positive, you have to have the right folks in place. But we also didn't, our leaders didn't follow our students. They stayed. Um, so like our ninth grade, I, I'm a big fan of putting your strongest small group leaders in ninth and tenth grade. Um, I, I, when it comes to high school and then the same for junior high, like those sixth or seventh grade, sixth grade. I yeah. think, um, ninth and 10th grade, especially just from what I've seen and over the years is like, man, if God is going to show up in a student's life, it's typically going to be ninth and 10th grade. And I think there's a whole lot of reasons for that, but that's another podcast. Um, and so we had our ninth grade leaders, small group leaders, for example, uh, they were teaching the same thing every year. So over time that can get really redundant. Um, but what our leaders found is that, man, okay, I've taught this. This is the third year I've taught uh, Genesis and Acts, for example. Man, mm. I, I'm teaching it better on the third year than I did on the first because now, man, I've, I've, I keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper, right? Um, and then so we worked. To, we had a progression. Every other kind of every other quarter was a study through a book, like a, almost like a survey through a book. Um, and then we had an Old Testament survey in there, a New Testament survey along the way uh, in there. We had um, – an apologetics kind of quarter. We had a um, cults and world religions for our seniors. We had some practical things for our seniors, like, Hey, here's how to manage your mind, your money, your time. Um, and th- those types of things. And, uh, and some leadership stuff built into our, like our junior year. It was good, man. It was super, super effective. It wouldn't work in my current context because of how we function or, or how, um, how we do student ministry now. But it worked really, really well there, and uh, and I, mm-hmm. I, I loved it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's still an experiment for us. We'll see it's here too. I mean, it seemed good last year, and and again, I don't know if it works. Is I mean, the model, you know, you have to do small groups in order to be able to teach it that way, right? So we'll right. see. I don't know if we'll do it forever, but uh, I do like being able to specialize it that way by grade. And we took our best shot at just, hey, we feel like this is a better ninth grade conversation. We feel yeah. like this is a better 11th grade. Because some of them are obvious. Like you were talking about life circumstances. We do a different plan with seniors uh, on top of this that helps prepare them for what's next. That seems obvious. Like, you know, that's the easy right. easy one. But when you're, when you're deciding between, you know, different theological topics or whatever, it's like, I don't know. Is that a better ninth or 10th or 11th? Sometimes yeah. it wasn't yeah. simple, but we just... Like we're like, no, okay, let's try I get that. And so for some, for us, some of that just came down to a progression. Like, okay, if we want them to learn this before they leave, they're going to need to learn this first, right? Like that's it would true. be that's helpful to have a good understanding of the book of Genesis before we dive into anything. Um, and so sure. it was like Genesis out of the gate. And then if we want them to learn about uh, the New Testament, man, an understanding and overview of the book of Acts would be helpful before we jump into the epistles or before we jump into. Mm-hmm. And so that helped us shape some of that. Um, and we tweaked it along the way too, like Chris said. You know, every now and then we would we would uh, we'd sub things out. Like we, I can't remember what we started with, but like we we came back a couple of years in, and we're like, man, our kids really need to understand how we got the Bible and why they can trust it. So we plugged that into ninth grade. Um, yeah, but it was good. And then and then for us, our kids were in the service too. Now our context now is quite a bit different, and so we have we actually have no student programming on the weekends on our campus. Um, all of our student programming happens on Wednesday nights. Um, so we do large group and small group in one night for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are, we our small groups are all divided out, you know, like a normal small group, like, like 
um, grade and gender for us. And then, um, and then our, our, um, kind of student worship time, we're all together for the worship portion, but then we split for the teaching junior high and high school. Um, so we can still be a little more targeted, you know, it's a little bigger spectrum cause I'm teaching to all of high school and our junior high pastors teaching all of junior high. Um, but with the small groups kind of coming in to supplement that it, it really helps, um, it helps us be intentional there as well. And then we also just came off. We just finished up. You mentioned this too. Um, every fall we do a, a church wide series that the church is doing together. And so we, we come alongside that uh, with them as well. So they're hearing um, a similar uh, a message in that it's not the same message, but it's, it's, it's similar. We sit down with our, our teaching team as the whole church and kind of align that. And then even for the adult small groups, like our questions are bound in the same book as the adults. We just flip it. So if you flip the book over, the students are there. So even again, trying to draw that connection back to parents, parents are able to to see also what their students are learning and talking about in that within that same resource for them. Um, but then we'll just finish that up. And then the rest of the year, we'll kind of be it's good. back on our it's good own. good stuff. Scope. Hey, so I have a question, Nick. I'm curious you still there, Nick? I am. I'm ready. I'm waiting <laughs> with bated breath. <laughs> you sound like Joe. Okay. My dog, listen, my dog's growling. Dory, hush. Get grief. Okay. So, uh, so Jody and I, of course, we do the longer haul uh, youth ministry podcast. And ultimately, you know, for Jody and I, our heart is ultimately tied to hey, how can we help youth pastors experience longevity? both in their current context, meaning they don't just go in for a year or two and then they're having to leave, but also from a long period, you know, like, man, if you're thinking, man, I I feel called to do this long term in my life as well. Um, And so how do you think family ministry plays into that? Um, And I think that's, I don't think we're going to have a hard time connecting this dot. Um, But I asked that from the context of, I think a bunch of youth pastors that I've known over the years, some are very open to that mindset uh, of being not siloed, but open to family ministry and open to others. But I've also known quite a few youth pastors over the years that have um, been very siloed, been very much like, I only want to do my thing. I only want to do, everybody else can just, do their thing, but we just want to do our thing. Even to the point where also you see some youth ministries who like are blowing and going, man, they're like growing and experiencing tons of growth whenever other areas of the church might even be struggling still or whatever, but they still are siloed. So how do you, when I throw all that out there, what kind of comes to your mind, Nick? And Jody, of course you can jump in on that as well. Well, I think, so the connection between the longevity and family ministry, it's a, it's a good question. I, when I think of longevity in youth ministry or in ministry in general, I probably don't think of family ministry at first, but maybe that's because I've never thought about it from that angle. It's a good way to think about it. I probably think about it more from um, fit with a church. Again, I don't know why average tenures at churches for youth ministry are so low. I mean, all of us could have certain theories, but I do know one thing I see a lot in church world is um, churches that aren't being completely open about their church when they're trying to hire somebody and then candidates who aren't being completely open about themselves and not asking the right questions. And so you end up in a setting that, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I talk to that are like, 
man, this is not what I thought. And I knew this, but didn't know any of this. And it's just so different. Yeah, sure. That probably stands out the most to me. But I think in terms of family ministry, I do think if you could have that mindset that like, I'm here to help serve families in this church and families outside this church that we haven't even reached yet. And you're passionate about being there and watching those kindergartners become middle schoolers and middle schoolers graduate high school and things like that. Uh, we just had a guy speak at our fall retreat who's been doing it for 23 years at one church. And I just said, man, that's got to be amazing because the life change that he's seen, the generational um, impact, the faith that has been transferred. I mean, obviously he's going to feel old when he's doing weddings, you know, for his you know kids that have been there since they were born. But that's just something you don't see a lot of. And I do think if you think with a family ministry mindset that I, these these middle schoolers, let's say, aren't just my responsibility now, that I, I was praying for them, you know, when they were dedicated as kids, maybe, and I'm going to be celebrating and praying for them as they go off uh, to college or whatever's next after high school. I don't know. I, that probably does help you think more about staying long term. But then again, when I think about why people leave, I don't know that it's it, it's a family ministry or it's a model type of thing. I'm not really sure. I don't know. What do you guys think? No, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think so. I think a lot of it depends on the church, even like you're saying. Um, so much of it, I think, is is the right person in the right spot and um, and being open and honest about ministry philosophy. And I think, uh, you know, I've said forever, and we joke about it a lot on our podcast, like, yeah, we were experts at marriage until we, be- until we got married. We were experts at parenting until we became parents. And, and so I think just... I would almost even say the opposite is is true as well. That that longevity helps family ministry. Um, the the longer you're in student ministry and the longer you're in one place, the stronger your family ministry becomes. Um, and I think that's kind of a culture maybe that the church builds, and then the church brings in kind of people that that are on board with that. I know, like man, and Chris Chris could attest to this as well. Um, when, as a student pastor, when you're in a context where you've seen kids come all the way through your ministry and out, um, that's a super rewarding thing. Um, I was in a context even prior to Georgia where uh, I was kind of overseeing youth and children. And yeah, I saw those kids and they, all of those kids in that student ministry who had come to Christ came to Christ underneath my ministry in some form or fashion because I had literally watched them come in from you know to the children's ministry all the way up through the student ministry and out and um, there's a really healthy thing about that and i think it increases i think on the other side too it increases your effectiveness as a student pastor uh, i remember uh jeremy lee with at parentministry.net once asked me to think of like the top 10 kids that i had in my student ministry like the kids that i'd put like you know your all-star team for over the years um, the kids that you hope every kid would kind of be where they just, they get it. Their, their walk is genuine. You know, they just love the Lord. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I kind of okay, came up with that list and I would, man, I would say this to anybody listening, like think of those kids that you would have in your list. And then he said, how many of those kids didn't have parents who were engaged and involved in your ministry and discipling in their homes? And dude, like I couldn't think of any of those kids and I'm sure it happens, right? I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but when I think of the kids in my ministry who, who are probably what we would all hope every kid would be, all of those parents are being intentional in the home, and all of them have a vested interest in the student ministry. And and so over time, then, as you stay put, 
longevity builds credibility and trust. Um, and, and that happens more and more and more and more. Um, and so I think it's kind of a, a two-sided coin. If you're doing that well, you're going to stay longer. Um, but if you're, if you stay longer, you're going to do that well. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Jody, I think well, the key... Oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, well, I was just going to say, Jody, I think the key to what you're saying, though, is is that there's a mindset, though, on the front end of being committed. I do agree with you that longevity can equal family, better family ministry um, and a better ability to do that well. But what, what I'm, what I'm maybe wanting to pull out even a little bit more though, is I think though the youth pastor that is willing to make this a priority will have a better chance at experiencing longevity at a church. Oh, absolutely. Because well, it, it would be a basically basic question. When people think about a youth pastor at the church, do they when and they say, Hey, how does old so and so feel about the church? Well, if their answer is, Well, he's great and the kids love him, but he's pretty much only interested in what's happening in student ministry. Versus he's great, kids love him, and he clearly loves our church or she clearly loves our church. It's a subtle mindset type thing. But what I think ultimately it goes back to is I'm not just interested in the success of what's happening in middle school ministry and high school ministry, but I also want to celebrate the victories that are taking place in children's ministry. Yeah. I want to be encouraging and supporting and not always walking into a staff meeting only interested in guarding my area and fighting for my area. It's, you know, those calendar meetings where you both want to do something on the same night and you have somebody's going to have to give. Well, not always being so dogmatic that you're not willing to see what they're trying to pull off as well. It's it's all that little. And, and I think what happens there is long term, it equals, you know, a, a person who is willing to, to go into this thing saying, man, I'm, I'm interested in the overall church as a whole. I'm interested in the families and how it impacts families. I just think it's going to lead to a healthier uh, relationship with the church. It's going to lead to a healthier youth pastor, and it's going to lead to longevity, um, yeah. which is a really major win. Well, you definitely would feel more church ownership, right, if you're working with of course, you know, other ministries and all that. And then Jody, something you said that I didn't even think about, you mentioned our kids, like we're better uh, parents and marriage yet. We were perfect until that, those things were part of our life. I didn't think about this, but the other probably factor in this is uh, you're going to be more likely to stick. Like imagine if I'm a youth pastor and my kids are in preschool and elementary ministry and it's a great ministry and it's really serving my kids well. I mean, I'm going to want to be there even if I didn't work there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that would be my church. Like my kids mm, are there you go. elementary age. And if I didn't even work there, this is the church I'd want to attend. Same if I'm a children's pastor and my kids are in student ministry, like my preschool director, just her twin girls just graduated. And hopefully she looks at it like, man, I'm so glad my girls got to be a part of that ministry. And, you know, I'd want to be here. Even if this wasn't my job, I'd want to be here to, you know, while they're still in middle school, high school to finish out at this church. That's something I never thought of. Okay, so let me ask this question, Nick, because I think what, I 100% agree with what you're saying. 
But I also know that there are people listening who aren't in a context where they would say, if I wasn't paid to be here, this is where I would be. Oh, yeah. What, so what, what advice do we give that, that person? I'm a very um, to the point kind of person. Don't beat around the bush. I think you gotta you gotta move on. I don't think any of us. And again, I'm probably not the best gauge of this because I grew up in a great church that was amazing. And, and my youth pastor, I still get to talk to him. He's in the area. He pastors as a church. He's a great mentor to me. But there's definitely a lot about my church, especially as I got older. You know, as a like um, in college age or whatever, where our church just didn't make enough changes to continue to reach the community. You know, we'd be and and again, nobody wanted this, but we were more about uh, who was there already and not who was not yet there. And so, what I would say is um, the way I approach it. And again, I feel bad saying it this way. I think you got to figure out where is God calling you to. Is it time to move or not? But in general, when I think about the mission God has for all of us. And I think about my life, I want to be used up well. And so I don't want to um, spend time at a church where the visions and the strategies of the, it could be the theological alignment, whatever it might be, is not going to be a good match. And, and it's, whereas I could maybe find a place where that could be a good match and we could be arm in arm working together on God's mission. We're not always going to agree with everything. We're definitely not going to always get what we want, but I always, and again, I don't, I feel like I shouldn't say it this way, but I'm pretty bold about saying, find the best fit. Like don't stay at a place. If you are at a church where you wouldn't attend that church, if you didn't work there one, see if you can help change it. I mean, that's what we did in the church I grew up in. I wasn't even staff. And then if you can't, okay, you know, is there something else that, is there another church where you could serve and that'd be a better fit? Um, and I do believe God calls us to certain things in certain seasons. I don't think that's always like every single person is called to this church at that time. And if you don't go there, that's a mistake and you've messed up God's will. You know what I mean? I think yeah, it's a yeah. big church. And if you look at it like one big church, um, there's lots of places that you could serve and be used up by God in a big way. And so being a match, I think, is, a, is an important thing. So I think we uh, obviously like the longer haul is is our podcast is trying to encourage longevity and, and not just longevity in ministry in the sense that you would do this for a long time. That's certainly a piece of it, but also that you would do it where you are for a really long time. Um, and we acknowledge though, I mean, I just, I've said already in this, in this show, like I've been where I am uh, less than a year. So clearly we are okay and would acknowledge that there are moments when yes, it is time to move on and leave. And we've, We've done episodes on that on on our show. Um, we've you know we have some resources that we've given out like hey here's seven reasons that you know you should leave the position you're in and so we we wouldn't we wouldn't disagree. I think for me it all goes back to the start in the sense of like man when you are looking and evaluating of whether you're going to uh, step into a position. Um, be mindful, be prayerful, lean in, man. Yes. Listen to God where he's calling you to be. It's probably going to be uncomfortable. It should be a step of faith, but use the brain God gave you as well. Make sure that you align on those important things, because if not, you're going to find yourself a year in, two years in, uh, you know, rubbing against something and, and then feeling like stuck and looking for, for whatever's whatever's next. Chris, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? About leaving and when to leave and how did, is that so what you mean? Like I just said a whole bunch of stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. Just like if you're in a, like if, if you're in a spot and you're sitting here and this isn't where you would want to be if you weren't being paid, 
Like where, what advice? Yeah. Do you have well, for I mean, that? I, I think Nick hit on it earlier, man, we, we've got to do better jobs as youth ministry people to, you know, when it comes to interviewing um, and both the church needs to do a better job at interviewing people and people need to, but, and then not settling, you know, going somewhere where they're like thinking they can go in and change uh, everything, um, you know, super quickly, you got to be honest about where you're going and whether or not it's the right fit. But yeah, of course there's moments where you, you, you have to change, um, because it's just simply not going to work out or it's not healthy for your family and it's hurting. It's costing more than it's gaining. The, 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 the balance there that's hard is there's, there are days where Johnson Ferry's a challenge. There are days where, um, you know, I'm sure y'all's churches are challenged, but it doesn't mean it's not the right fit. It just means that it's work, <laughs> you know, it's hard at times. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I think trying to figure out the, um, when, when do you dig in and do your job versus when do you, you know, realize, man, this is just not the right fit kind of thing. So, um, but no, I think that's why. So I think ultimately for me though, the thing that I love about what you're doing, Nick, with your family ministry podcast is simply raising awareness to the fact that an overall approach to family ministry really is important. Um, and, and I do think it, when it comes to the longer haul, what we do, that one of the keys to that is making sure that you're not just focused only on yourself and student ministry, but that you're realizing you're supporting others, you know, also. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like we've talked about, I do think that that helps you stick. And I don't think, I mean, obviously the, your, your podcast about the longer haul, that's really what we need is we need more people who are going to stay. But I think it's like you guys said, it, a lot of that happens on the front end, asking the right questions, uh, not settling for something, being more in line with, the church you're going to come on board with. Um, but I, I don't know. And maybe it's, I don't know what you guys think. Some of it is if you can agree with the church, theologically vision strategy, um, everything else it, you're not going to agree on that. Does, I mean, it's just like we would all do things differently if we were in charge, so to speak, and we'd ruin some things we don't even realize, you know, we would mess some things up. We'd probably do some things well. So if the big things are in place though, and we can, you know, come to grips with the fact that it's, we're not always going to love everything. I think you can really stick through all kinds of stuff. Like there'll be lots of decisions that you don't like, Oh yeah. but if you agree on those things, then you'll be fine. You know what I mean? And you put your kind of yourself aside and your ego and all that. Uh, I think you can stick. And cause you're right. I do think the problem, see, I see it in that with a family ministry perspective, children's ministry, people are usually there for a long time because most of them are homegrown. It's their, it's their town. It's their church. They were there before you were, you know, kind of thing. Uh, student ministry is the opposite. A lot of student ministers come in from the outside. They're outside hires. And so that's, it's a little bit more normal for them to move to another church. So it is kind of funny seeing that uh, when you look at the whole picture, how different it is in each of those ministries. Yeah. No, and I think we, and we've, gosh, I don't want to Kurt tell us again. We've, we've gone probably long enough, but um. I always just tell folks, man, if you're if you're a year in, you're frustrated because you're seeing things that are starting to be obvious and annoying. Um, two years to three years, something's going to happen, and you're going to want to leave, and that's when most do. But man, if a student pastor can just stick it out, when you hit four or five, it gets so good. You start seeing momentum. No one's comparing you to the last guy. Parents trust you. 
like that this whole aspect of family ministry um, gets better um, clearer easier um, but you you know you know I think you there's a moment where we have a we have a rule we kind of joke around with our staff like you're allowed to quit once a week you get once a week you can quit and you get the whole night off on, but the next day you come in right the next morning you have to show up um, and so even like what Chris is saying man I know we've had a few uh, midweeks this semester that have just been insane like no one why are we doing this um, who chose this and then we've had other nights that are like amazing moments where we want to celebrate and see and I think that's just life um, in ministry and so but but longevity on both sides helps uh, I think we, we would say and it, it is interesting though because you're right like a lot of kids folks come in and yeah it's it's a I've never really thought about that that difference in role yeah, and in larger churches, it'd be different. But certainly, church, the vast majority of churches that are under a thousand, uh, lots of children's ministry people are from the area. You know, I call them homegrown. You know, like it's their thing. That that's me in our church. I didn't think I was going to work full time in vocational ministry. Ended up wanting to help a church plant start. They needed to hire a children's pastor. It's like sure. You know, I'd mostly done stu- student ministry as stuff as a volunteer, and. Uh, like this is my town. Like this is where I grew up. Uh, you know, I was born in Virginia, but lived here since I was two. And so I'm probably not the person that's be inclined to looking for God to call me somewhere else. I would do whatever I feel like God is calling me to. But, and that's a common thing I see in children's ministry, not so much in student ministry because, you know, and then things are changing now, but for years you would hire just like almost pastors out of colleges, out of seminaries, you know, and that means people are moving, you know, to take a job there. And the thing, and to kind of shift gears a little bit about helping people stay, one of the things that probably happens, I don't know, you guys could probably tell me more what you think. I just don't think people talk enough about the issues they have on staff at their church. They just get bitter and sit on them as opposed to having healthy conversations about, okay, why do we do this? What's the reason for this here? Have we thought about this? You know what I mean? And that way we understand and can relate to each other more when there's you know, decisions we disagree with, it seems like a lot of people just don't talk about it and then leave, you know? No, I think that definitely happens. I think that, I think there's a lot of, and we've talked about, man, your relationship with your pastor and how important that is. And I think whether you're in a student ministry role or a kid's role or uh, just an overarching next gen role, that, yeah, that communication is important. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. Yep. Well, I I know I'm wondering, Nick, if we could all maybe just sort of, you know, we're probably, I don't know how long y'all normally go on your podcast, but we're probably getting close to the end of when we would normally go. Um, if folks are listening and, and they, they fall, they fall into the category of, you know, Hey, I, I love the idea of doing better, but what, how, how could I do better <laughs> in, in family ministry? In um, family ministry, yeah. Like, what what are well, some things we might could throw out to the folks listening, both on to your podcast and to ours, about just some basic basic steps to maybe kind of do better, you know, when it comes yeah. to family ministry. What comes to y'all's mind? Well, I'd love to hear what you guys say too, especially with the youth ministry angle that you have, because I feel like, and again, maybe you can speak to this, but 
uh, I would say most people I talk to, most leaders, they would say that partnership with parents and families and all that gets harder as kids get older. And some of that's parenting, you know, in some ways it gets harder as kids get older and connecting with parents. And there, there's, you know, there's a reason that like my kids PTA in kindergarten was full last year and, you know, senior year is not. So I would love to hear what's working for you guys with family ministry and connecting with parents and stuff like that. I would say for us, some of my favorite things are our transition events. So like when kid goes from preschool to elementary and there's something for them and their parents, um, you know, we call it upgrade. We put the whole thing under the banner of upgrade. So, and we move up kids and students the same time. And in our context, we do it at the end of summer um, just because our student ministry doesn't meet in the summer. And so if we promoted them, you know, coming out of the school year, we'd be pushing them into nothing essentially or not much. Um, so we, we put that under the banner of upgrade, but that is one of my favorite partnerships with parents because they actually show up, they're in the room. Uh, they have questions because things are changing, right? They're going from elementary to middle school or whatever. And so th- those are certainly one of my favorite things. I think parent focus groups, um, again, a lot of times we just, we don't even know what questions to ask or what they need. So that's been something for us in partner with parents that I think, has been helpful for sure. But my favorite, I say our best partnership with parents is our small group leaders. And, and we, even though it looks different, we have small group leaders that are weekly leading kids from age like three and a half ish all the way up through high school. And so we get to kind of, even though, again, the context is different, but the role is the same. Uh, those, I feel like those leaders are our best partnership with parents and some do it better than others. And, we could certainly do a better job equipping them. Like we've done things where we write a template email and give them the list of the, you know, parents of the kids in their group and they can email them uh, to start the year or to, you know, in January or whatever. And those things are really helpful and, and they can even reach out. So that's probably, those are probably some of my favorite things. We have like a strategy for connecting with parents, but I think my favorite things have been, those transition events, small group leaders and what they do. And then recently we've done some more um, parenting classes. Uh, I wouldn't call them groups because they're probably a little bit more like classes, but they go six weeks usually. And at the turn of the year, we're actually going to do a bigger one where um, like, let's say it's Wednesday night. Every parent will come Wednesday night. We'll spend some time together for 20, 30 minutes all together. Talk about something that matters to all you know parents of kids of all ages and then break out into preschool, elementary, middle school, high school. And those conversations are just amazing because I think for parents, I think of me for myself too, as a parent, um, it's great to know you're not the only crazy one. You know what I mean? Or you're yeah, not the only one yeah. that has something, you know, this struggling with this or, you know, my kid's not the worst or whatever. There's just something about that. And I feel like parents do do parenting alone too much. So that's probably some of the things that we've done that, that I've enjoyed the most in terms of family ministry. I, I think of two things whenever you know, for, for, for our listeners that might be thinking, man, I need to do better. Um, I think one for me is check your heart first, you know, and, and I don't mean that in some like big kind of, you may have a dark heart. Oh my gosh. And I don't mean like a major way, but, but simply what are your priorities? What's your philosophy about this? And just do a gut check on how you really feel about parent ministry. What are your tendencies when it comes to family ministry as far as how do you feel about what children's ministry is doing? How do you feel about what preschool ministry is doing? How do you feel about what's happening in in big church? You know, <laughs> all of those things. And if you have a tendency 
to 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 not be supportive of all of those other areas, I think that's the starting point is to just change your mindset a little bit and, and be more aware of that. And then I would say the uh, second thing to me that that is, is just an easy opportunity. If you're really not doing much of anything related to family ministry uh, and bringing parent ministry into that as well, thinking along those lines, just do just start something. Like a couple of things you said, Nick, maybe have a parent meeting every so often. Or maybe start a, um, another thing that came to my mind was like, as a youth pastor, are you sending out a weekly or a monthly parent email where you're, you're telling them and keeping them informed about upcoming dates, but you're also maybe throwing out a couple articles to them that might help them in their parenting uh, process. But do, but maybe not even that. Just do something, though. Show up to a kid's event that you're not really running just to support them and just do something. That would be a couple things for me. I think if, if folks are listening and they're like, man, we need to do better at this, um, that would stand out. JD, what about you? Yeah, I would say, man, just choose to believe the best about your team and, uh, your, your kid's team and, um, and your parents until you can't. Right. And, um, I think sometimes we, we can get really kind of, been out of shape over small things that turn into big things, but even because of that resentment that we had earlier, or because, you know, I think a lot of student pastors tend to feel like kids team is like the most resource. They always have all the volunteers because the kids are cuter. They smell better. Um, and, and so, <laughs> well, at certain ages, they smell yeah, better. That's true. Young enough. I'm not sure. Yeah. About that. <laughs> and so like, um, uh, just choosing to believe the best. I think like you're saying, show up at kids events and be present before they get the student ministry is really, really helpful. Um, how can you support and work together? Being mindful of that when parents, as far as it comes to parents, you know, we, uh, we leverage parents and, and invite parents in to serve as small group leaders. And, and we also are intentional to provide a lot of different opportunities that parents can plug in, um, not just a small group leader. Um, and then throughout the year, like maybe small things like helping to provide transportation or helping provide snack for something. We, we, we call those on ramps, um, places to get parents like on-ramped into serving into our ministry. And um, in the past, we've had parent leadership team. We're just a uh, advisory board, really, of parents that, that I would meet with uh, pretty regularly that was that was parent-led. I kind of sat in and, uh, and just to help make sure that we were meeting the needs of our parents, that we were really effectively partnering with our parents. Um, we've done parent retreats where we take the parents and not the students away, just an overnight thing. Um, which have always been super fun. Um, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to, to do it. And, and, but I think to start someplace, man, you've got to invite parents into the conversation. You've got to uh, work alongside and not against your kid's team. And, uh, and yeah, I think just doing something, if you're not doing anything is, is better than doing nothing. Right. I have real quick. I have another thing I thought about that we do. Our student pastor came up with it years ago. It's really easy, I think. And we're doing it again in a few weeks. Um, he just does coffee talks for parents before the student ministry gathering. Now you can't do this in certain settings. Like if, if student ministry meets on Sunday uh, during services and there's something right before, but in our case, it's Sunday night. And um, like, I think some of you have that model, then we'll do. So if it starts at five thirty, coffee talk will be at five. 
it'll go till 545. So it'll push 15 minutes into the beginning of the program, but that's free time anyway. And what we do is we get our small group leaders uh, come and that way they're connecting with the parents of the kids in their group. And then we do 15, 20 minutes on like some kind of parenting topic that is high felt need. Like imagine, Hey, we're going to talk about tech technology and your teen. But again, it's like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And the other 20, 25 minutes, is just them connecting with their kids' leader, and man, that has been so easy. Oh, that's great! And yeah, we don't get eighty. We don't get eighty percent attendance. You know what I mean? But you serve the ones that come well, and it, it's been really good. That's been an easy win for us. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah, we talk a lot here. Like, um, you know, I, I've always heard the eighty twenty right. Twenty percent of people are going to do eighty percent of the work or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the sixty percent. So we we would assume that like twenty percent are going to be there no matter what you do. 20% probably won't come no matter what you do. And so that 60% in the middle, how do we move that 60% in the middle? Um, and uh, yeah, so I think, man, I love that idea. Actually, I'm going to steal that for sure. It's been an easy one for us. It got, we did it. There was a season when we first launched it, we did like four in a year. And I do feel like they got a little, like it, it lost momentum. Yeah. But then when we brought it back and have done it less frequently and, and, and I think part of it is the hook, be the, as intentional as you can be about, whatever you're going to share with them. And it's just practical too. Like we try to, it's like, Hey, use this, use it. Here's a great resource. Here's something um, that's helpful. Now we haven't done this. I don't think, but off the top of my head, the other thing you can do is have the small group leaders email the parents that week. Hey, I'm going to be here. Love to see you. I mean, it's hard to say no, yeah. right. To the volunteer who's helping your kid. I don't even know if we've done that, but that could be a way to boost attendance. If you feel like you're not getting good participation. Yeah. I'm just always amazed. Anybody shows up to anything we do. <laughs> I mean, with, with all the well, fights I, for their time and attention, oh, I'm yeah. just like, gosh. Yeah. I think that's one reason that this has worked because, okay, it's 30 minutes earlier. Like, and in, in the end, you're, it's, it's the same time frame. It's something you're already used to. You just come 30 minutes earlier. We're usually offering more than coffee. You know, we'll have some kind of dessert or food or something like that. But anyway, that's been good. It's something I hadn't even thought about until you guys were talking through some things there. Oh, that's great. Chris, any last thoughts? Nothing on my end. Feeling good, man. Nick, this has been fun. Thanks for having us on your podcast, man. You bet. Thanks for doing it. I love talking uh, ministry in general, but specifically youth ministry. I'm always intrigued to hear like different models. What are people doing? How connected is it, you know, within the to families and to children's ministry and all that. And so thank you. I, I love hearing different ideas and, having you guys on the podcast to talk about it. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been fun. We'll have to do it again. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Nick, do you have any farewells that you typically give your, your crowd? Well, not really. Cause we wrap up the interview, just say thanks. And then I usually end up recording something else anyway afterwards, which nobody listens to. So it's great. (laughs) 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 You know how that is. Of course. That's right. (laughs) That's amazing. Cool. That is amazing. Yep. Well, good deal, man. Awesome. Right. Um, thanks, well, thanks. Well, thank you, man. We appreciate you. Appreciate you letting us do it. This has been fun. Cool. All right. Yep. Thanks. We'll talk to you guys later. That was fun, huh? Was good, man. What a great guy. I like that guy. Yeah. I, man, if you're not, if you haven't checked out uh, Nick's podcast, I, I would highly encourage you uh, to head over there. It, you know, it, it's really, he, he is embracing more of the family model. And you kind of heard some of that in, in the interview, but man, so many things to learn. I know I did. I, I really, like I even, I said in the intro, uh, there were several things that he mentioned that I've written down for us to kind of do. And yeah, it was fun. Uh, I like hearing you flustered. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so goes life, you know, 
My mom actually lived near Dallas, uh, Georgia for a little while. So I used yeah. to go through there all the time. That's maybe that's the, connection. that wasn't the Dallas I was talking about. <laughs> I mean, depending on how far out of Dallas, Texas, I think Dallas is just on suburb. my mind right now because my team, because that's my football. I love Dallas Cowboys. And I'm sorry, uh, that they're just, they're imploding <laughs> by the day. It's, it's, it's insane. So, I mean, Alabama imploding or just Dallas imploding? Both my teams are imploding. Jody, thanks for saying it. I appreciate it. Welcome to the rest of the world. Rest of, welcome uh, to everybody else. Yeah. Welcome to everybody else. Yeah. Cool. All well, good. Hey, thanks. We'll get- thanks again for listening. Be sure to head over to ym360.com again and check out all the resources they have available for you there. Awesome. Great folks. Use that promo code Longer Hall. That'll save you some money. Big shout out again to the folks at Student Ministry Network of Georgia Baptists uh, as well. And uh, I think that'll do it for today, yeah? That's it. Cool. All right. We'll see you guys in the next episode.